Hola. Hello. Bienvenidos a Enredo. A podcast about raising bilingual children. I do like to read with my mama. I'm Monica. And I'm Paula. Welcome to Entre Dos. A podcast about raising bilingual children. As mothers of relatively young children, a lot of the conversations we have are wrapped up in plans, potential, and what will become of our children's bilingual future. Sometimes we like to talk to people who have already lived through this experience and can give us their perspective on how they did it. Last year, we talked to Paula's cousin, Juli, who was raised in Texas and is fluent in both English and Spanish about her bilingual upbringing. If you haven't heard it, the link is in our show notes. This year, we wanted to talk to a parent. So we caught up with Maritere Bellas about what it was like to raise her now grown multicultural and multilingual children. Some of you may recognize Maritere as she is very active on social media as Latina Boomer Mom, and she is also the author of several books, including Arroz con Pollo and Apple Pie and Raising Bilingual Children. I was born and raised in Puerto Rico. Uh, I have been in California you know, almost all my life now, um, over 35 years. And I have um, a 29-year-old son and a 26-year-old daughter. Um, so I started on this path over 20 years ago when my children were younger and were babies. And Uh, there were really no uh, information and no no resources for uh, for parents raising uh, multilingual and multicultural children. And in my case, my husband is Greek American, so I wanted my children to learn that culture as well, and I wanted them to to be fluent in both English and in Spanish. And um, it was it was really hard to I felt really isolated and alone. Uh, trying to find the balance between all the cultures and the languages. And, you know, like I say, there was not a lot of resources out there. These so, feelings sound familiar, um, right? Maritere told us that if she was raising her children today, she feels it would have been much easier. We wanted to know more about what it was like for her and how her children feel about their bilingual upbringing. Like I mentioned I didn't have uh, the places to go or the resources that will help me. Um, and then it also was hard because my husband didn't speak the language, uh, the Spanish language. So, um, so it, it took a lot of hard work and determination and, you know, taking the kids to Puerto Rico every summer and just park myself there for two months and, um, and, uh, you know, immerse them in the culture and the language. Um, um, so it, it wasn't perfect. Uh, the closet do a language school was about 45 minutes away. And if, if you know LA at all, traffic is horrendous. So it's not something like I would have had to be in my car for, you know, the better part of the day uh, if I had chosen uh, for them to go to uh, a dual language school. So it, it, you know, those things were not, it did not come easy. Uh, it was harder and I tended to be a little bit more lenient Uh, which I don't recommend. Um, if I could do it over again, I would have been uh, more strict about it. Uh, but it was harder, like I say, because my husband didn't speak the language and I wanted him to be part of the conversation. Uh, so pretty quickly, 
um, like it happens to, I think a lot of families, um, you know, the children go out the door and they go to school and all the kids around them speak English. So English becomes like this, the, the language that they want to speak at home too. Uh, and when mom and dad both speak Spanish at home, it's a lot easier to continue that, you know, get on that goal and, you know, both mom and dad are on the same page about that. Uh, but when parents speak different languages, it's, it's a lot harder. How our children will take to the minority language is hard to predict. Even siblings growing up in the same family environment may develop different language proficiencies. Honestly, here to tell you that my son, his Spanish is, uh, conversational Spanish is very, is fluent. Um, his grammar is not as strong and is the opposite with my daughter. Um, she, her grammar is, is very good and her conversation is, um, if she starts talking, then it, you know, it, cause you know, they have the ear for it and they grew up with it, but, um, she can carry a conversation, but uh, I was, um, determined that she would be able to carry a conversation and, um, she took it in, in high school and she ended up going to Spain for her semester abroad, uh, for five months. And, you know, she was, completely immersed in the language. So it's, it's really kind of fun to now have conversations with my daughter in Spanish. At one point, language learning has to be passed on from parent to child. This is something that we consistently see in our interviews. As parents, we establish the basis for the minority language, but our children have to make a conscious decision to continue on this path. Even though Maritere's kids did eventually take on Spanish on their own, she experienced the heavy presence of the majority language during the teenage years. They are very proud of all their three cultures. They were more rebellious about the language because we were in an area, which I'm sure happens to a lot of parents, uh, where English was their reality. That's what they, all the kids were talking in English, and they didn't want to feel different. They wanted to be like them in that respect. But it was never about the culture, so it was really about the language. Which, you know, I think it's, you know, when when it becomes part of their daily lives, the way that I see parents doing it today with all the resources that they have at their hands, um, then they don't see it as different and they it's okay when they walk out the door and they come back in and everything is in Spanish, you know what I'm saying? But when they're in an area that is not, uh, and you know, it could be English, it could be French, it could be German. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's just, you know, they, they are going to rebel because they want to turn to what's everybody is doing. They don't want to f- see themselves different. These identity constructs can cut both ways. Maritere told us that there is a sense of loss that comes with raising a child in a culture that doesn't feel your own. That dynamic is a balancing act that is hard to come to terms with. I don't want to use the word regret because it's kind of like a strong word, but I, I'm nostalgic. 
about them not growing up in Puerto Rico. Um, and it's something like, you know, you do your best uh, to kind of create that uh, by taking the kids back or, you know, by exposing kids to cultural activities um, in wherever you live and, you know, reading the books and talking and cooking and music. And, you know, you, you do your best with all the, the resources and the tools that are out there, but it's hard to, um, you know, there's, there's your way, like I say in the book, the American way and the Latino way, uh, or the Hispanic way. And, um, it's, it's a loss. It's a loss. And I don't know that we ever get over that. Um, but one thing that I, I really think is important to mention, um, because I, I wish that someone had said it to me, uh, is, and, and I saw it, I saw it when I, you know, I, I still see it when I go talk to parents at, at, you know, at, at parent engagement programs is, is it's very important that we embrace the fact that our children are growing up in the American culture. Um, you know, we, we need to be okay with that and we need to be a good example for them and embrace the American culture, like we want them to embrace their Hispanic culture or the, you know, French culture or whatever the culture it is that they are, they have at home. Um, because I, I see, I've seen parents, you know, criticizing this, that, and the other, and it, it doesn't help the child to, you know, the child that you're trying to teach instill pride in their, in their native culture when you are criticizing the culture that they really were born in. Think about it. At Mariteres' home, that American culture coexisted with two others, and she and her husband found ways to incorporate them into their children's lives in fun ways. You know, we would take, um, every other day we would do a different language or a different, something that had to do with, uh, you know, let's say Monday, Wednesday, and Friday were Spanish days. So everything revolved about around Spanish. And at the time, my, you know, there were not very many books in children's books in Spanish here in California. So my sister would send me books from Puerto Rico and, you know, some friends that would, uh, that I knew would send them from Mexico. And, and that's how I kind of like created this little library, if you will, in the house with the books, uh, for them to come in and, 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 and read them. Um, we would use music, uh, cooking. I would, you know, put, put them in their high chairs while I was making arroz con pollo or arroz con gandules. And, you know, we talked about the ingredients in Spanish and, you know, would tell them stories. You know, we use cooking as part of, uh, as a learning, uh, way. Uh, and, um, you know, talk about abuelita and when, why is that dish or, you know, a typical dish from the island. And, you know, when I grew up, mommy would do it this way and abuelita would do it that way. But really, you know, so I learned from both of them and, you know, kids would love the stories, uh, the anecdotes of, of when, you know, when you grow up, when you were growing up. And, um, so that's how it started with, you know, and then I would do the same with the Greek, um, culture, 
um, you know, making simple like grape leaves or, um, you know, lamb or um, uh, they, they eat a lot of rice as well, but mostly white rice and yogurt and stuff like that. So um, then my husband would be the one telling the stories uh, about, you know, when he was growing up and um, what that food, that particular dish or food meant to him. Um, so there were not many Greek books around. So my sister-in-law, who was a teacher at the time, uh, would kind of send me, uh, some handouts and stuff that, you know, my husband would share with the kids with simple words, um, you know, like agua or, you know, water and sun, you know, the sun and, um, you know, just, just very simple words in, and he would share those in Greek with the kids. Um, and then we would do the same with the English culture and, you know, then it was, everything was read in English and we would talk about, you know, whatever food, uh, we decided to make that day. Every and, bilingual uh, family is different. So many factors come into play when it comes to maintaining a minority language. And it's hard to know whether our children's bilingualism will be how we envision it or want it. But we can continue to do our part as parents. Just don't give up. It's hard. It's um, depending on the area where you live. It could be even harder. And I think that it's very important for both parents to be on the same page about it and have a plan. And, and making sure that in this plan, we include everyone around, everyone that is around, that surrounds the children, the child, uh, from, you know, grandparents to uncles and aunts and neighbors and teachers, everybody in the child's life should be your village. You know, it takes a village and it's frustrating and uh, you're going to need a lot of support. So if you surround yourself with um, the people around you are going to be supportive of, of your efforts, then it becomes a little bit less taxing. Uh, but don't, just don't give up. Uh, it's a gift that you give your children. It's by the time they're eight and nine, they're completely bilingual. And uh, one day they're going to look back at you and they're going to say, thank you. Thank you for helping me be fluent in, in two languages. Thank you to Maritere for sharing her experience raising multilingual and multicultural children. You can learn more about her books on her website, maritererodriguezbellas.com. Also make sure to follow her on Instagram at Latina Boomer Mom for weekly advice and inspiration. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, join us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Entre Dos Podcasts to continue the conversation. Hasta la próxima. Nos vemos.